and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. We're in a series entitled Dealing with Blank, and today we're going to talk about marriage. And I'm excited about it. I believe I've got a word uh, for it. So without further ado, let's dive into Scripture. Let's go to the book of John. Uh, Book of John, chapter 4. And speaking of John, did John not slay last weekend or what? Uh, John David Romick is our online campus pastor, and I texted him last week, and I said, I just want to let you know you're my favorite preacher. Uh, I love John, love his heart, love what he brings to our church, love the supply that he adds, and, and God's truly just blessed us with some wonderful pastors and wonderful ministers, and it's it's honor to be a part of it. Um, you know, I, I really had this message on my heart for quite some time. Um, and it, it's targeted towards those specifically who may be in a season of marriage right now where there is a little bit of tension or maybe the apt word would be distance. And, and so somebody, you may be here and it's like, well, Pastor Joe, I'm not married. Trust me when I say this is the time to learn it. Uh, I am in the process of teaching children how to drive. Mission accomplished with my daughter, though. She's turned into quite the driver, uh, which I'm excited about. I'm still working on my son. Um, uh, And so out of that, you know, when you're teaching driving, uh, you've got to be in the car with them because that's better for them to learn then than it is to learn without you there and just driving wherever they want to go. And in marriage, it's the same way. So oftentimes we wait to learn about marriage until we're married. And the time to learn about marriage is actually before marriage so that you're ready for marriage and know what to do when you're there. Uh, So in scripture, uh, we see a woman at a well. Uh, Jesus is literally led by the spirit to be there. Uh, He tells his disciples, we must needs go through Samaria. He's like, there's something in me that just lets me know I have to go there. And there he finds a woman at a well who's been married five times. And the person that she's with, she's not married to now. And Jesus has an interaction with her, and the interaction is how to come close to God. But I really felt impressed that the same principles that teach us how to draw near to God are the same principles that will teach us how to draw near to each other. Uh, especially in the context of marriage. And so out of that, let's look at this truth here. And John 4 and verse number 16. And he said unto her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. And this is one of my favorite lines in all of scripture. She's like, 
I see, sir, you are a prophet. And he's like, really? What gave it away? Um, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Now there's a lot there in context of how to worship God. But notice he's talking about drawing near to the true God. And he says we must worship in spirit and in truth. Now I want to look at those three words today. Worship, spirit, and truth. Uh, worship, words that produce closeness. When we're worshiping the Lord, uh, we're in a, a vein and in a pocket where we're telling him everything that's amazing about him. Uh, you are kind, you are forgiving, you are wonderful. It's all the things that he is that is wonderful. Worship is the bestowal of worth. So when we're worshiping the Lord, we're showing him what he is worth to us. You're not singing. Singing is not worship. Worship is you showing the Lord through words and through actions that show him, here's what you're worth to me. Wherever there is worship, there is the open communication of worth. Now, we know in the context of marriage that we are not to worship each other. We only worship the Lord. But the same principle of words that show worth, words that minister to, Words that bring life. Uh, If we're going to have great marriages, we need words that do that. More on that in a minute. Spirit, the heart pursuit of closeness. So you remember um, God stated this in the Old Testament. He said, your words say you love me, but your heart is far from me. There's not this pursuit of heart to draw near to me. And of course, we know God so loved the world that he didn't just open up heaven and say, I love you and think you're super cool. Um, God so loved the world that he gave. He came near. He drew close. In other words, God pursued. And so worship is good, but we also need the heart pursuit of closeness, of something that is actively uh, and progressively drawing near to the person I'm connected to. Uh, and so here we want spirit, like is the, the act of pursuit of closeness, and then truth, the shared knowledge of what is pre- preventing closeness. So oftentimes, even in our relationship with the Father, and one thing that comes up repeatedly through Scripture, and I'll use this as an example, is unforgiveness. When unforgiveness is in my life, um, uh, the Lord will confront that. And he doesn't confront that to be ugly, mean, or rude. He confronts that because as long as it's there, it prevents closeness. And so whom the Lord loves, he corrects or has a tough conversation with to bring intimacy back into the relationship. And so we need uh, worship, we need spirit, and we need truth in our relationship with God in order to have closeness. But we need these same principles in our marriages in order to have closeness there as well. Let's talk about the first one, uh, words that minister life to each other. Uh, Go over to the book of Hebrews, and we'll see a principle here that if you can get this, it'll change your life. It will not just change your marriage, it will change your life if you can understand what we are about to read. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3. By faith we understand 
that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that that which is seen was not made of things which are visible. So what he's saying here is that the world was made by the word of God. So what you see is made of what does not appear. Uh, Well, what doesn't appear? Words. You feel them. They can minister to you. They can hurt you. You don't see them, but your words, which are invisible, create your world, which is visible. And he's saying here, and I I love how he says, by faith we understand, because most people don't understand this, is that the world you are walking and experiencing is the world you created with your words. That which is seen was made by that which is unseen. And you will never change your world until you change your words. If you want a different world, you need different words. If there is something not right in any particular area of your life, you need different words there. If something is not right with your health, change your words there. If something is not right with your discipline, change your words there. If something is not right in your relationship with your parents, change your words there. Because that which is seen was made by things which do not appear. That comes up in my heart even while I'm talking about it now. Even your own discipline. I know I just mentioned that. But some of you, you're very disappointed with your discipline. And you keep saying, I'm so disappointed in my discipline. If you continually talk about the problem, you'll get more of the problem. If you want to change what you experience in your world, you must change what you are saying with your words. That which was, we understand that the world was framed with words. So that which you see was made by that which was unseen. Uh, So in the context of marriage, if you don't get anything else, get this, write this down. And if you do, I promise it will bless you. Your marriage is the seen consequence of the words you have spoken or failed to speak. Your marriage is the seen consequence of the words you have spoken or failed to speak. And somebody says, no, Pastor Joe, that's not true. My marriage in the state that it's in is the result of blank, and it's some massive mistake somebody made. And I have been a pastor now for 21 years, and I've seen adultery, addiction, you name it. Um, things come up in marriages, and I get it that those things have consequences. But I've also seen people come out of it. And I've seen people come out of it better and more intimate than when they began. Because here's what Scripture teaches us. James says, your mouth is like the rudder of a ship. And that ship can get in fierce waves where a storm is beating against the ship. And I know there are times and seasons in marriage where it feels that way, that in this particular season, there's a financial storm. In this particular season, there's a relationship storm. In this uh, particular season, somebody just went crazy in marriage or developed a heart, whatever it may be. Your marriage may go through a particular storm. But James's point is, is even if the ship is driven by fierce waves, it's not controlled by the, the waves and the wind and the storm. It's controlled by the little bitty rudder. 
And he says, that rudder of the ship is actually the thing that's in control of the ship so long as the sailor is in control of it. If he lets it just go in the direction of the storm, it will always fail. But if he will grab hold of the rudder and steer it in the direction that he wants it to go in, he can steer out of the storm every single time. And in marriage, you are going to face things. And for some of you who aren't in life, you are going to face things. But if you can learn the thing that is controlling your marriage and your life is not the storm, but your mouth, you can steer your way out of any storm you ever will encounter. My marriage is the seen consequence of the words I have spoken or failed to speak. Because sometimes it's not saying the wrong thing, it's saying no thing. And we get so busy, like Mark 4 teaches us, we get so busy with the lust of the flesh, the pursuit of riches, and the cares of this world that we don't allow the word to go forth and get in the heart of the people we love. That there are things going unsaid. And it's affecting the marriage. And so out of this, um, one of the things that I'm even trying to be more mindful of in my marriage is progressively and actively speaking life over my spouse. Uh, Literally, the first job of man was naming and labeling his wife. This was the first act of marriage. Uh, Pull this up in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 20 just on the screens real quick. Watch this. Uh, The man gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Now, did you see that? God said, what what we need is a helper. So anytime you're having a discussion in marriage, discussion in marriage, If you ask the question, is this helping? And the answer is no, stop. Because we are not called to fix each other. That's the Lord's job. We're called to help each other. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam And he slept, then took one of his ribs. Now, this is very interesting to me, and this is not the message, but you'll see what I'm talking about. Notice that he took something out of the man to make the woman. So there was something, a mutual supply, that when the woman came back into his life, there was something complete there. That that he made up some of her and she made up some of him. And that the two together operated in something that was a wholeness. Which is why the enemy comes to bring division instead of unity. And so out of this, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of that place. Then the Lord God fashioned into the woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Watch his first job. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman. He labels her. What is the label you have given your wife? What is the label you have given your husband? What have you named them? Without a doubt, every single person in this room, in fact, one of the first things that happened with any, anybody in this room is you were labeled. Out of the womb, labeled. 
And there are words that are written on your heart that are the governor to your life. I remember, uh, speaking of teaching how to drive, Mr. Carl Ray Thompson taught me how to drive. Uh, And out of that, I was not ready. I was 13, uh, and it was a different time. Uh, But we would get on back roads, and he'd get me in his truck, and he's like, you're going to drive. And I'm like, I don't want to drive. And he's like, but you will. And so he brought me over there and taught me how to drive. But he would often get me to take it as fast as I could go in some of these dirt roads. And he would always talk about how there was a chip in his Chevy truck that was limiting how fast that truck could actually go. And he told me, Joel, I'm going to get that chip taken out one day. One day I'm going to get the chip out of the truck because the chip was acting as a governor. The vehicle had more potential, but there was a governor that was in it. Every single person you have ever met, including the one you see in the mirror, has words that are written on their hearts. Those words are the governor. You'll never move beyond them. You have been labeled that, and you have found an identity in those words. That's who you are. And for some, it's beautiful. For some, it's ugly. For some, it's wise. For some, it's it's not smart. For some, it's, I can sing, but I I can't do blank. Labels. And those labels have been reinforced over and over again through life experience and other people. And for, for many, they're not labels that boost, they're labels that limit. And in marriage, we get either a reinforcement of the labels that have been there. You never listen to me. Never listen. Label. Uh, You you always label. These words are are written on the hearts of people. And out of that, they live up to the label. You label Jacob, Jacob, a deceiver, you're going to get one. You label Abraham, Abraham, and you change his label from Abram to Abraham. For a father of many nations, I have made you. And he's like, but I'm not that. And God's like, I know, but I call things that be not as though they are. I don't speak to what's not there. I speak to what can be. I speak to what can be there. And he's trying to get mankind to understand this, which is why when you stand before God, you're going to even account for a lot. And one day, everybody in this room, you're going to stand before him. And when you stand before God, you're going to give an account for a lot. But did you know one of the things you're going to give an account for? Every word that came out of your mouth. It literally, Jesus taught this. That every word that came out of your mouth, you're going to give an account for. And it's like, what words are so small? Like we use them all the time. And God's like, I'm trying to train you out of that, which is why I'm teaching this lesson. And the reason why you're going to give an account in this life is because they matter so much in this one. That they matter so much on earth, so you'll give an account for them in heaven. Out of your mouth comes blessing and cursing. Out of your mouth comes life or death. And they that love this and know this, they eat the fruit of their words. Your words have snared you, Proverbs said. You can't move beyond the label you've attached things in your own heart. And somebody said, well, how does this work for me? Well, in marriage, well, I'll use this as an example. Even in Jesus' life, Jesus came to his disciples and he asked them this question, what have they labeled me? 
And they said, well, some say you're like Elijah the prophet and those kinds of things. And they said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, why does this matter? Because whatever you label Jesus in your life is as much as he will ever be to you. It's not as much as he'll ever be. But it's as much as he will be to you. If you read scripture, and maybe some of you are at our churches today listening to this on podcasts or watching online, and you're like, Jesus was a great teacher. Man, so many truths came out of Jesus that just changed the course of the world. Great teacher. It's a good label. But that's all he'll ever be to you, is good teacher. If you want him to be savior, you must call him that. If you want him to be healer, you must call him that. If you want him to be a provider, you must call him that. This is why Jesus was teaching, if you have a prophet, you won't see the full measure of who he is or she is in your life unless you receive him or her in the name of a prophet. And if you receive them in the name of a prophet, the label you put on them draws out who they are to you. Which means if you want something different out of your spouse, you've got to label them something else than what you see. Call those things that be not as though they are. Speak life over them. In Mark chapter 11, let's go over there and look at that just for fun. Mark chapter 11. Jesus walks up and he sees a tree. He's hungry. You ever been hungry? I was hungry last night. I was like two o'clock in the morning. Hunger. Hit me. He's hungry and he comes up to a fig tree and he's expecting to find fruit there on it. And so we know this, and I say it all the time, but disappointment is the gap between what I expect and what I experience. Now, in marriage, you've got a lot of expectations, which is one of my favorite things in doing premarital counseling. I'm like, what exactly do you expect a wife to do? Let's talk about this. What exactly do you expect a husband to do? Let's talk about this. Because if you don't know their expectations, you can't meet them. And if you can't meet them, the, the disappointment is the gap between what you expected and what you experienced. Uh, which is why we need to communicate our expectations, speak truth. Uh, but out of this, what happens in marriage when you are disappointed? What words come out of your mouth in that moment? You have experienced something that has dis- their behavior has disappointed you. And I, I, I walked up on them expecting to find this. And when I got home, I found this. I expected them to act this way. And when they, they didn't, I was expecting a whole different reaction. And so Jesus is going to show us what not to do. So he walks up to a fig tree that's disappointed him. And watch this. Jesus entered in Jerusalem, came to the temple. And after looking around, verse 11, he left Bethany with the, the 12 since it was already late. Mark eleven twelve. On the next day, when he had left Bethany, he became hungry. And seeing at a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to it, if perhaps he might find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not uh, the, the season for figs. And Jesus said unto it, May no one ever eat fruit of you again. And his disciples were listening. Now, Jesus uh, did not hate this tree. 
uh, was not angry at this tree. Jesus knew there was a lesson he needed to teach us that we were not getting. So he made sure when he did this, the disciples heard it. That's why the Bible emphasizes it. He came up to something that was disappointing him, and when it did, he cursed it. No man eat fruit of you from here on after. And he makes sure his disciples hear it. Now, when he says it, nothing happens on the outside. So they walk away, and they're going to the temple, and Jesus kicks out the money changers, all that. But then they're walking back out of the city, and when they walk back out of the city, the disciples, of course, are looking at this tree to see what happened when he spoke to it. And watch what happens in, in verse number 19. When evening came, they went out of the city. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree that Jesus cursed, watch this, withered up from the roots. Being reminded, Peter said unto him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered. Withered up from the roots. Something changed on the inside when that word was spoken before it was manifested on the outside. When you're disappointed with a child, with a spouse, with a job, with whatever, and you walk up on it and whatever you speak to it, it goes to the inside of that thing before it comes to the outside. And when you are speaking to your spouse, your words aren't just going over them, your words are going in them. And it's writing things on their heart and on their lives. This is why when you're disappointed in your children, you need to be very mindful what words you're speaking over them. Here's a, a piece of wisdom. I poured concrete. That's what I was doing at 13 when Mr. Carray was pouring concrete. You don't lay concrete when it rains. You don't want to try to lay a foundation in a flood. And when you are very emotional, that is not the time to be talking. You need to wait for the storm to pass so that you say right words. Because the words will go in the heart and what happens on the inside, it'll change the outside. What have you labeled each other? What words have been spoken over each other? The words of your home are determining what you're experiencing in your home. And if you want to change direction of what's going on in marriage, you need to change the words you are speaking in them and over them. When Peter brings this up to Jesus, Jesus is not like, of course, I'm the son of God and that's what happens when I do things. He says this in verse 22, he says, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, uh, be cast away and be thrown into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says with his mouth, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Whosoever, whosoever, have faith in God. He's like, boys, let me tell you something. I did that on purpose. So you could see your words matter. Your words are going in things. Your words are affecting you. Your words are affecting mountains. Your words are affecting trees. Your words are affecting each other. Your words are affecting your life. And if you want a different life, you've got to change your words. And he talks about prayer. 
whatsoever things you desire, verse 24, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What words have gone over your spouse and what words have you spoken to them? When God saw something in his children that was not matching what he wanted to see from them, he did not correct that with harsh words. Instead, he changed the label. He actively changed the label. Come here, Jacob. Come here. I know that's what they labeled you. And some of you are going to have to do this in marriage. I know your whole life, this is what your parents called you. It's what your friends called you. It's what your uncle and your aunt called you. But come here, Jacob. Let me tell you something. You're not Jacob any longer. You're Israel. You're a prince with God and a prince with man. You are loved. You are seen. You are heard. You are valuable. You are talented. You are graced. You're not that. You're this. He came to Simon. He said, Simon, come here. Come here. Come here. Simon means a reed that is easily shaken. That was Peter his whole life. His whole life he lived up to that. And sometimes he'd be firm, but then the wind would blow and he'd look at the wind and the waves. I'll never defy you. I'll never deny you. And then a moment of pressure comes. And in front of a little girl, he's a reed that's easily shaken. And he says, come here, Simon. Let me tell you who you are. You're Peter. And upon this rock, you're a rock. That's who you are. You're not a reed easily shaken. You're a rock. Let me tell you who you are, Peter. You're a rock. You're a rock. And upon you, we will build the church. Come here, Saul. Let me tell you, Saul. You're not Saul. You're Paul. That's who you are. He changed the label. First job of Adam, label her. What have you labeled your wife? Can she rest in that? Have you labeled her beautiful? Have you labeled her kind? Have you labeled her attentive? What have you labeled him? What's the label you've given him? Is he disciplined? A man, let me tell you, let me just help you. A man wants to think he's awesome at everything. Somebody says, awesome at what? Everything. If you just want and say, that was awesome, that was awesome, that was awesome, that was awesome. Because a man, it's not because he's vain. Let me help you. It's not because he's vain, it's because he's wounded. Listen to me, he's wounded. And for most men, the question they're asking, is this enough for you? Is this enough for you? Does this pass? And every time I give him the impression that it doesn't, I'm killing the tree. You can't be blessed by what you're cursing. I'll close with this. We won't get to two and three. Maybe we'll do it next week. Maybe not. I read this this book, and it was talking about one of the chapters was getting to know the stranger. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And they said the premise of it was, is in marriage you change. Kids change you. Work changes you. Age changes you. You change. And so you need to know what they need in each season. And I came to my wife 
And I asked her, this comes to the truth part. If you want to do marriage right, you need truth. And I said, what do you need from me in this season? Like in this season, what do you need from me? And she said nothing. I'm like, no, tell me what you need from me. And she said, well, honestly, she said, I feel like my love language has changed. She said, I need words. I need to know more and more. And you do it. I just need more of it, that I'm beautiful, that you see me. I need you to see my worth. I need you to see, because so much of her identity has been with kids, and now our kids are getting older. Words. See, sometimes you go through seasons, and we're in one right right now. It's so hot. (laughs) It is, man. It's hot. But what happens when, when the things, plants, and things that you love are left only to the heat? They die. And so there are some seasons you must water more. And our words are water to each other. I'm telling you, a woman wants to be seen. Your wife wants to be seen. She wants to be attractive to you. She wants to be seen by you. She wants to be noticed. She wants to be held. She wants to be told that you love her. And sometimes you might have to oversay it. But that's okay. Because we're here to serve each other. A man wants to know he can do it. That you're pleased with him. If you love him, that's good. That you're pleased with him, that's even better. A man wants to know, am I pleasing to you? And many times, once again, men are wounded in that area. And your words are healing that wound. You'll get a better man. You'll eat fruit from that tree. And so I just want to encourage each one of us with our parents, with our friends, with our children, with our husbands, with our wives. Let's watch our words. Let's watch our words over each other. Let's watch our words over ourselves. Let's watch our words over our home. Amen? Amen. Let's watch our words over each other. Let's watch our words over our churches. Let's speak life. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every single person under the sound of my voice at every campus, online, and on podcasts. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus that there is absolutely no storm that they can't make it out of. I don't care what storm they are in right now, as a couple or as an individual. There is no storm physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. There is no storm we can't come out of. Father, we take control of the rudder of our ship, our tongue. And we say, Lord, we speak the answer. We speak truth. We speak freedom. We speak love. We speak life in Jesus' name. And our hearts will not be afraid 
and our marriages will not be overwhelmed. But Father, in this season, we will speak life. We will wash each other with the water of the Word. And Father, we thank You. Our trees bloom and blossom into something beautiful and wonderful. Father, I thank You even marriages and relationships that at one point everyone looked at it and said, it's dead. It's dead. Father, we thank You. They come back to life. In the name of Jesus. And the fruit that is produced from those marriages and relationships is better than it's ever been before. In the name of Jesus. Father, we love you so very much. And we thank you for the work you're doing in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.